Hello and welcome to All Things Women's Health. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Stroud. I'm a board-certified obstetrician, gynecologist, a husband, a father, a grandfather, a small business owner, a Catholic. I guess I'm a lot of things. But right now on this show, I'm your host as we talk about all things women's health. Whether it's childbirth to infertility or pregnancy loss to menopause, homeschooling to personal trainers, it doesn't matter. If it involves women and their health, it's on our agenda. And joining me on this episode is what I would have to call a collection of some of the most powerful professional women I know. Four certified nurse midwives, breastfeeding experts, and expert mothers as well. We're going to be talking about breastfeeding, tips and tricks and lessons learned. We got some 13 children and well over 10 years combined experience in these professionals. And we're going to talk about ways that you can overcome some of the challenges of breastfeeding, ways that you can understand much more about it, some of the myths and and legends, and as I said, tips and tricks. So get comfortable as we get to know these remarkable women, and we learn a lot more about breastfeeding. We'll be right back with all things women's health. Ladies, welcome to All Things Women's Health. Let's start by way uh, of a little background. We have a large crowd today of speakers and experts. So let's begin with uh, just a bit of a roundtable and introduction. My name is Rachel Mayo. I'm a certified nurse midwife with Fertility Midwifery Care Center and Holy Family Birth Center. I've been here about three years. I am a mom to three children, currently breastfeeding, and uh, my husband and I live on a little homestead out in Columbia City. My name is Erin morris Defield. I'm a certified nurse midwife here at uh, Fertility Midwifery Care Center and Holy Family Birth Center. Um, I am mom to one child. He's nine months old. Um, we moved here recently from Colorado after his birth. I'm Nikki Schwanz. I'm a certified nurse midwife at Fertility Mode Free Care Center. I have three kiddos and filled with sports is my life right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Marianne Stroud. I'm number four in the midwives of FMCC and Holy Family Birth Center. I have um, three biological children that I breastfed for a little over three years and then two adopted. Um, and it was a blast, and I'm looking forward to talking about it. Yeah. And you're the only one that has any experience dealing with children who are themselves trying to breastfeed. Yes, yes. I have uh, uh, two daughters-in-law who are currently breastfeeding, and it's, it's fascinating to watch and try and reflect back on my own breastfeeding experience. Mm -hmm. Well, let's start with a simple question, and that is if you could shift back in time guys to before you had your first child maybe almost through your first pregnancy um and as you were thinking about breastfeeding if you could go back and advise yourself now what kind of advice do you think you'd give yourself uh in retrospect i'd say be patient i would say it's not easy don't expect it to be easy 
I would echo that. It, uh, you know, I had been teaching women how to breastfeed as a nurse for five years, and it took me six weeks to get my first lashed with a nipple shield at the breast. Uh, and and so I would tell myself, give yourself a month, give yourself a month to settle in. It doesn't have to happen right away. Yeah. So I worked at a baby friendly hospital as a new grad nurse, and then had three years of midwifery experience prior to having my first baby. And my kid last got formula when he was almost 12 weeks old. Um, So it took me a long time to establish a good milk supply. And I would just tell myself, you know, day two in the NICU, sobbing over my first latch, be patient. It's going to take a while. Um, So... I I have to admit it's it's been a little while for me, so it's hard to remember. I think what I reflect on most is my midwifery career and helping people to breastfeed. And my advice would be be educated mm-hmm. because you're too exhausted after the birth and too focused on other things to be learning from the people who are there trying to help you. Mm-hmm. Now I've heard it said, and this always sounds odd to me, but I've heard it said that. Breastfeeding is not natural, or it's not its not inane. It has to be learned. What do you think about that? 100%. We're mammals. We learn by watching <laughs> others do. And for the last couple of generations, we have not been watching women breastfeed. It's become hidden. And, and so then when we go to breastfeed ourselves, we've never even seen it done. And that's hard. But, but I wonder if that's part of the challenges that new moms face is that they think it's supposed to happen naturally. The baby's supposed to crawl up, grab Mm -hmm. the vest, latch on, and if it doesn't happen that way, they're discouraged. Mm -hmm. But in reality, sometimes it has to be taught, both to mom and to baby, would you say? Yeah, for sure. I think even women who have had babies before, I tell women all the time in prenatal care that it's a new mouth on your breast. Mm. So your last baby maybe didn't have any tongue ties or lip ties or what have you. This baby might. Um, every baby is a different size and that in a different gestational age oftentimes, all of which I think impact the, the latch of the breast. In any of your combined experiences, do you remember if someone helped you through a trouble, a trouble moment of breastfeeding? My husband... Uh, Helped my sanity sometimes. <laughs> he would have to like give me a step back, take a break, and he was the one that went to the breastfeeding classes with me. So he was that person like, you haven't thought of this, why don't you try this? So you, there was another thing, make sure you have somebody by your side that knows what you're trying to do and understands it. Mm. My mom was there with me and she's also a certified nurse midwife. And I remember getting very engorged they were humongous, bigger than the baby, I believe. And, um, and so trying to get uh, my son Ian to latch uh, w- was difficult in that uh, window. And I think without her help, you could have given up mm-hmm. because it seems so overwhelming for the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think that's a good segue to maybe the simple question of what is the most difficult thing about breastfeeding, specifically maybe breastfeeding, your first infant. I mean, why why is that hard? What's difficult about it? Well, I would say it's not always difficult. Uh, certainly there are women that the baby does 
just crawl right up there and latch on and and do fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, And the only problem with that is, as Rachel was saying, we all expect that to be the case. Mm -hmm. And when it's not the case, that is emotionally and physically difficult to manage. Mm -hmm. It's the unrealistic expectations. You expect it to just happen and it doesn't. And then you're you're hard on yourself, like you said. Mm -hmm. You cried over your first latch. But if you don't know that it's supposed to be hard and it's supposed to be a learned process, you don't realize. Mm-hmm. And you need help. As, you know, there's so many resources out there, especially now. You know, there's help abundant if you're persistent in asking for it and seeking out those resources. Yeah. I think particularly in the hospital world, the electronic medical record and all of the clicking and things that the nurses are expected to do that idea that the nurse says comes in and says has the baby eaten in the last x number of hours and so you the pressure to perform if you will is so great to a new mom who didn't know there was going to be so much expectation mm-hmm. you know i mean the hospital poses its own unique set of uh, challenges and circumstances but i know personally it's always bothered me when i see a mom of a baby that's maybe 12 to 18 hours old, and she says, I'm having trouble breastfeeding. And I've often caught myself saying, that's impossible. Your milk doesn't come in for three days. You can't fail at breastfeeding for the first three days. You don't have any breast milk. But there is this sense of, I've got to get the baby to latch. They have to consume a large volume of something. What what are your feelings, and what kind of things do you say to new moms in that setting? So I guess when I hear you say there's no breast milk yet, I have an initial gut reaction to that. And there is breast milk. It's just not come mm-hmm. to full maturity. Sure. Uh, but there is colostrum there. It is present. Right. And the hard part is when they want to pump and they're like, oh, I'm getting nothing in the pump. The baby is your best pump mm-hmm. in the world. They're going to get what they need. That pump may not. It's just not as efficient. Yeah. yeah. Colostrum is so viscous that it's so hard for an electronic breast pump to get it out. Mm. You need that newborn latch, which like, so Fulton and I, our latch has always been great. I cried over our first latch because it was so, the suck was way stronger than I expected it to be. Um, and it wasn't until one of the lactation consultants in the hospital reminded me, you're not going to have a measurable amount until day four. Mm-hmm that I was like, okay, pressure's off a little bit for me to to be pumping out ounces. Mm. I guess what I meant by saying that is, it, it's really what you just said. There is stuff there. Mm-hmm. You just may not observe it. Mm-hmm. And you're certainly not going to feel engorged on day one right. before sure. the milk comes in. So the pressure shouldn't, there shouldn't be that pressure to succeed because mm-hmm. the bar should be pretty low, it would seem. But you return to that lack of understanding, mm-hmm. lack of education that says, my baby was born five seconds later, I should have a ton of milk there. See, I'm starving my baby. Mm-hmm. A- and that, you know, we, as moms, we always want to blame ourselves. We always want to say we're not good enough. So that's a very loud, easy thing to say. I don't have, my boobs aren't full. See, I told you I'm a failure. I can't breastfeed my baby. Yeah. Erin, you mentioned a couple of times I cried. Mm-hmm. You're talking about physical discomfort, not, not an emotional. Oh, yeah. And I think yeah. there was also, you know, we were in the NICU. So there's this huge, there was this huge release of um, 
that I even physically could breastfeed my baby, yeah. that he didn't have the oral tubes and stuff mm. like that. Um, so I think it was a mixture of all of the above. But talk a little bit about the pain, because I think a mm. lot of new moms, especially throughout the course of the pregnancy, they're scared to death. They've heard these horror stories of sure. bleeding, cracked nipples, and they think, not for me, no yeah. thanks. Talk about that initial feeling, discomfort, if there is, if there isn't. What would you say to new moms thinking that? Yeah, so I think our latch was, from a clinical standpoint, looking back, it was really good. It, we had a really solid latch. Um, but it was the actual physical pressure of the latch and then the pump um, that I just wasn't expecting. Um, I tell people, not all the time, but I tell people sometimes that I'm like, this is the most action your nipples have ever gotten in their life. Okay. <laughs> like they've got to, they've got to come around to, to this amount of friction. And so even when you have a great latch, there's no lip, no tongue tie, your nipples are averted, all the good things. Um, there's still going to be a certain amount of friction there that has never happened, yeah. right? Um, so yeah, I would say lots of nipple cream and good amount of ibuprofen. And after, I don't know, maybe Some a ice. few days. Yeah, <laughs> maybe a few days. It'll... It'll feel normal. Days, mm -hmm. not months. Days, not months. Yeah. Yes. When when the latch is clinically okay, there's no oral restriction, there's no, you know, anatomy issue with the nipple, it's gonna be a few days of rawness, mm -hmm. if you will. Um, and then it gets better. But I don't think we should go any farther into this without just mentioning the beauty of it. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. The the just the perfection of looking down at your arms and seeing your child's face and and him or her seeing you and and latching them on and knowing I I made this, I birthed this and I can feed this. Mm -hmm. yes. And the incredible yeah. beauty that that comes with that with or without problems is is so amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So pain notwithstanding, you know, as you look back, what would what would you label as the most difficult part of the whole process? The first few weeks. Yeah. Just the first Just few getting weeks. Started. Getting started, learning your new routine. You are now everything that child needs and you just, you're trying to recover from a major event and now you're trying to help this little one try to recover. It's in yeah. learning a process that is a learned process. And doing all that with no sleep. Exactly, <laughs> yes. I would say pumping. I hate pumping. Pumping was the most challenge. Yeah. yeah. Like learning how to pump, when to pump, what to pump with. The motivation to the actually motivation put the pump on. The motivation to actually clean the pump, put it on. Um, and then now, I mean, Rachel can probably speak to this well too. We're structuring our call days around the pump schedule. Yeah, your professional mm -hmm. life is changed uh -huh. by pumping. Yes. Well, I mean, let's talk about pumping. Who needs to pump? Who doesn't need to pump? If somebody needs to pump, how do they pump? When do they pump? What's the whole pumping story? Hmm. I would say you need to pump if you either need to build or maintain your supply. Um, and then pump with a double electric breast pump. That's the clinical midwife answer. Sure. Um, but the mother-to-mother -mother answer is pump if you want. 
know, if you... So the mom who's not worried about a schedule, she's not mm-hmm. worried about getting back to work. Mm-hmm. All she's all she's got to think about, at least for the next 12 weeks maybe, is feeding the baby. Mm-hmm. Does pumping play a role for, for that woman? Yeah, so I think there's a lot of pressure to start pumping and to build yeah. a milk supply in the freezer. Uh, well, but for you know, a baby with, that with the has... Accountable Care Act, everybody gets a free pump. Well, sure. Which yeah, came sure. with it, I think, an expectation, well, if I get this, I guess I'm, then I have to I'm supposed to use it. Yeah. Uh, you know, but for a mom that has a great latch where the baby's doing well and is gaining weight and, and you have a normal breastfeeding journey, pumping too early can lead to oversupply and engorgement, which are uh, difficulties in its own right. And, uh, and it's not unusual or unheard of for me to be working with a woman to, to backpedal that a little bit. And so I will often exercise caution on uh, pumping too early. And, and, and landing yourself in too much and landing in that situation. Not that long ago, and I, I can't quote it, but um, a couple of years ago, there was a small study published that said if you uh, pump early, uh, then your milk supply will be better long term. Particularly in near preterm, I think, or near term, right. we should say. So I think that 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 idea has been latched on uh uh, I yeah. guess that was a pun, wasn't it? Uh, you know, people have grabbed onto that and said, so therefore I should, as a professional, be recommending to you to pump. Um, and, you know, I, w- I would say breastfeed your baby. Mm-hmm. Put your baby to breast, put the machine down, unless you're working or some other thing that's making the mm-hmm. schedule. Yeah. So when then does pumping become an issue? Let's say that the woman is going to take 12 weeks at home mm-hmm. when in the perfect world when does when does pumping enter the picture or when should it enter the picture i think like six-ish weeks to wean into it mm-hmm. so you want to go uh, run to target maybe that's what i did <laughs> run to target so yeah. you pump a little bit so your husband can feed your baby while you go to target mm-hmm. because at that point you're trying to get baby used to not only nursing you need to get used to the bottles as well so it gives you a little bit of wean time but mm-hmm. not you don't need to start pumping three times a day. Right. Pump once, leave for a couple hours, and mm-hmm. wean up to increase mm-hmm. it as you need for what you'll need to do at work. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll bet a lot of first-time moms never planned for, I need a plan for if I'm not the one feeding in a given moment. And and to your point, I think a lot of people are surprised. Not every ba- baby will take just mm-hmm. any bottle. Well, sure. After oh, my the, gosh. <laughs> after they've been breastfed for 10, 12 weeks. Yes. They may just shake mm-hmm. their head at a bottle. Mm-hmm. So you need to practice a little. It's not you a do. head shake, it's a scream. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of babies, like my last one, she would not take a bottle if I was in the house. Mm-hmm. I had to leave the house for her to learn to take a bottle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And my oldest never, ever, ever took a bottle. I think he went straight to a cup. And a couple of months after he was born, I went back to work part-time. And he just starved while I was gone because he absolutely... Refused. That was that was the end of that. And he's still moody like that. It, nothing's changed. <laughs> That's probably the topic for another episode. But yeah. Sure. So uh, talk about the pumps themselves. What what's what does a mom need to know about equipment? Gosh, I could do a whole episode just mm-hmm. on pumps. Mm. Uh, the technology has changed a lot, even since I was pumping with my first. When I was pumping with my first, the hands free pump was not a thing, and so I was plugged into a wall. And, um, you know, I think for moms now, I 
generally recommend to get either a Medela or a Spectra um, just as your staple. Those are good pumps. If those you, are brands. They're brands. You. They're yeah. They're and great. We pumps. receive they no work. support from either of those companies, but no. <laughs> for the record, uh, but a good electric breast pump, um, you know, and one that does plug into the wall because they just are reliable power horses. Yeah. The hands-free pumps, well, I love them, and that is what I use now. Uh, they can be a bit more finicky. And, you know, some will work well for some women and some will work, you know, not work as well. And there can be a little more trial and error with that. And, uh, you know, and there's a lot of nuance into picking out one of those pumps as well. Uh, you know, I think most women have more than one breast pump if, we're, if you actually talk to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they usually have, you know, one type of breast pump that, that, that's their reliable workhorse and uh, maybe another pump that is more convenient or that they use for different situations. Mm. Yeah. Uh, my favorite pump is actually my hand pump. I'm the mm-hmm. fastest with my hand pump, and it's the most comfortable, uh, but it's not always the most practical. And how long should a woman budget for pumping? How much time does mm-hmm. it take to pump? So I I have asked Rachel that question like 5,000 times. <laughs> um, so our pump breaks used to be the same time, and then now they're not because we would sit back there and talk. Um, but I was like, how long do I have to do this? Like man, this just stinks. And she was like, well, usually around a year. And that was when Fulton was probably, I don't know, seven months old. And I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) five more months of this. Um, Do you mean in terms of like, in a given moment, how long do you need to pump for? Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, that's that's another good, it's another good question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But just in terms of practical, trying to plan your life, Mm -hmm. what kind of time budgeting are you going to have to do? I think it depends. mm -hmm. The actual time with the pump on, 12 to 15 minutes is probably what most people will do. Mm. Uh, What I have found with this breastfeeding journey, this is, so I get a full 30 minute pump break, which is amazing. With my other jobs, I've I've not had that much time. And so uh, what I have found is that while I can get most of my milk out in 12 to 15 minutes, if I pump to 20 minutes, I get another one to two ounces out. Oh, sure. I generally do not recommend pumping longer than 30 minutes because that is uh, that is ouchy. Yeah, <laughs> that does not feel good. <laughs> and and usually by 30 minutes, you're not really seeing much else mm-hmm. come out at that point. But for most women, 12 to 15 minutes yeah. is adequate. And Nikki, you said it depends. Does it depend on the pregnancy, the, the child, the breast, the pump, mm-hmm. all of it that? It depends all of it. Yeah. And the big thing I've noticed is some women will have their letdown much quicker and much faster and they mm-hmm. can pump in 10 minutes and they're good yeah. and some women need some time yeah. to they need to look at a picture of their baby to be able to pump they need to get themselves in that mindset to pump mm-hmm. so, so relax and take a deep yeah. breath and so it takes them a little longer so mm-hmm. it just it's so many factors right. and you have to learn what you need to do to be able to get that let down and milk out yeah mm-hmm. and if you're doing this at work it's certainly something you should talk about while you're pregnant with your employer. What's what's mm-hmm. the plan? How am I going to do this? Where am I going to pump? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and you know, do I have a set time schedule, or am I trying to sneak it in between other things? Mm-hmm. Because if your employer has no experience pumping at lunch and nothing else before work, lunch and after work is not going to work. No. What what would you say on average is the time you can make it, so to speak, mm-hmm. without pumping? Three to four hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, for, if you're exclusively breastfeeding, three to four hours, and then you feel like you're gonna you burst. Get, yeah. You start sweating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, if you get to the four hour mark and you hear a baby cry, it's well, done. that's uh-huh. the end of that. Yeah. Your if shirt's I catch all a wet. Baby at 
at three to four hours, it is Soak City. <laughs> um, so. You know, I have caught a baby while pumping. Yeah. So yeah, once I, I have done I that, that once. Yeah. Yeah. She went a little faster than I thought, and I was very glad for a wearable breast pump that day. But you're talking two <laughs> or three times in the course of a of a work a long mm-hmm, work day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you need to budget that in. Mm-hmm. And to your point, you need to work that out early. I was gonna say mm-hmm. your employer really needs to budget it in. Yeah. But yeah. they may be unknowing, depending on the size of your company mm-hmm. and mm-hmm, you know sure. who's who's gone before you and, and that sort of thing. What else? What else needs to be known about pumping, if anything? So electric pump is good. A backup system is good. The hands-free mm-hmm. devices are good and new for the most part. New. Mm-hmm. What else? What are the other they secrets? They need to fit properly. Uh, uh, there's different yeah. phalange sizes, and there's just about as many different sizes as there are shapes and sizes of nipples. And so if you do not have a breast pump that fits correctly, you're not going to get the output that you would expect. And it can be very helpful to work with a lactation consultant on getting the correct size flange. Um, if you're delivering in the hospital, I will often suggest bringing the pump with you so you can show it to the lactation consultant and make sure that you know how to use it and that it fits well. Mm. Uh, but even with my third baby, I said, hey, Amy Sickle, she's a lactation consultant over at the birth center. And I said, will you help me figure out what flange size I need with this pump? Because yeah. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I would say the other thing is that it's it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you could say, I'm just going to breastfeed when I'm with the baby and I'm going to formula feed the rest of the time, which is certainly a choice that's acceptable. But now you're mixing breast and formula and it changes the baby's gut and the poop and all the, all the pieces for it. So uh, it's so good for the baby to get breast milk that, that I think the the actual act of pumping needs to be a holy thing that you say this is this is worth my time and my energy mm-hmm. to do. Yeah, let's back Absolutely. up a little to the, the you know we've talked about latch and you said a couple of times, Aaron, if you get a good latch, that sort of thing. What are those issues with the first time putting a baby to breast, especially for the new mom who's probably a little anxious about it? What is a good latch? What isn't a good latch? And what does one do about a baby that just shakes their head? and doesn't seem to want to latch on. Now the shaking their head, my big thing on that is don't force the baby. You're gonna get frustrated, that baby's gonna get frustrated. Just do skin to skin. Mm -hmm. When you're starting to learn to breastfeed, put that baby skin to skin. They will smell it. You will notice they're starting to show hunger signs or like they're opening their mouth, they're sticking their tongue out or kind of rooting towards mom's breast, but don't, don't rush it. Yeah, absolutely. Don't don't rush it. Babies are smart, and their nervous system is wired to breastfeed. And uh, sometimes we can create an environment that is so stimulating to the baby that they get disorganized, and then they you'll see that in the flailing and the crying and the struggling to latch. And when we dim the lights and calm the room and calm the mother and put that baby skin to skin, then the baby's nervous system starts to organize. And, and you'll watch them, they'll get really quiet and really still. And sometimes moms get anxious, they think, oh, my baby's not gonna latch, my baby's not interested, but they're just pausing, that baby's pausing. And if you pause with the baby, then they will start to, to root around for the breast. And it's really beautiful to it's watch. It's funny, you reference the environment, but that could include sending your mother-in-law away. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. No offense, mother-in-laws, but sometimes you could be a bra, or any relative. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's been said any by... Woman that's, any woman that's... Any person in the room that's making the woman yeah. feel nervous or anxious about breastfeeding. Yeah. There was a lactation consultant in the hospital who really wanted me to use a nipple shield for some reason. And, like, 
I don't know. My nipples are diamond cutters. I do not need a nipple <laughs> And she was stressing me out so much. And I was like, okay, I just, I don't want to see you again. You just need to leave. Um, and after I didn't feel so much pressure to use all this equipment that I didn't need. And it was just, you know, and again, we're in the NICU. So there's monitors going off and et cetera. Yeah. But as much as we could, just me and my baby, that's when, mm-hmm. you know, the rubber yeah. hits the road, so to speak. I've always felt like that I could meet, especially the, the mom's mom, mm-hmm. and talk to her a couple of minutes in a prenatal visit. And you got a real sense of how those first three days are going to go. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if the mom's mom didn't breastfeed, didn't have a great experience with breastfeeding, and she's likely to be the one there at 3 o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. when this beautiful little child appears demonically possessed sure um if she says let's just give the baby a bottle Mm -hmm. i think often it's over Mm yes as opposed to her saying kind of like you said be patient there's no rush the baby's fine let's just wait that's great advice but often young women don't get that advice Mm -hmm. i think and i think on a similar note of who's there people all want to come see the baby they all want to know this oh this baby's so cute (laughs) but in especially those first couple hours and even days after birth I don't think you should have so many people around you when you don't feel comfortable. If you don't feel comfortable breastfeeding in front of them, they shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. Like not to not see the baby, but not spend that time. You need yeah. to prioritize that. It's not going to be a comfortable environment. Yeah. And yeah. I think the the medical profession as a whole, the midwives, the nurses, the lactation, anybody who has exposure as a profession to the mom in those first couple of days, they have a responsibility to lift her up Mm -hmm. and be very careful not to drag her down. Oh, I'm just going to bring a pump in the room just in case. Well, now you've planted the seed that I am going to fail. And and we should we should take responsibility for that because it's it's a big problem. So if you walk up on a new mom and a new latch, how do you look at the baby and mom and know if it's a good latch or not, or can you? Mom's oh. face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Because she can tell by the way it feels. Yeah, if it's you can right. see the squinty or just her posture when she gets very tense and brings those shoulders up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and the baby, the position of the baby, is the baby aligned with the mom? Um, is the body straight? Is the face turned to the breast so the baby is... is turned its neck at a 90 degree angle instead of facing the breast Mm. uh, because uh, all of those positioning things put pressure on the nipple and then cause that that pain that might come later on. I always think when I hear moms say, oh, my baby only breastfeeds on the left side, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll think, I'm sure your child is unusually intelligent, but they don't know left from right. So Mm -hmm. you must be cueing them. Maybe it's a piece of jewelry. Maybe it's your dominant hand versus your non-dominant hand. Right. Um, but have you seen that a lot in the women mm-hmm. that you work with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen the positioning where a baby likes to only lay on their left side. Mm. So you do a cross hold on one and a football hold on the other. Yeah. And you've mm-hmm. got to have like that specific. Mm-hmm. They're picky like that. But but you need somebody to recommend that. We yeah. get back to the teaching. You need yeah. someone yeah. to be watch it and see what's going on. Sure. And To your point earlier, Nikki, you know, every breast is different and that includes the two breasts on a woman. So, Mm -hmm. you know, a right breast might have a faster letdown than a left breast Mm -hmm. and babies, babies are smart and they know that. And so they'll gravitate towards, Mm -hmm. okay, yes, I'll latch well and feed well on the left because it's a faster letdown. But you do have to laugh when a 12 hour old 
mom of mm-hmm. a baby says, he always. Yeah. And yeah. I say, he always nothing <laughs> at 12 hours. <laughs> right. Yes, but um, so with my first, I ran into some really unique challenges. And uh, she she did spend some time in the NICU and really struggled. Anytime I would bring her to the breast, particularly on my left, she would scream bloody murder. I thought she hated my boobs. <laughs> you just hate them, you just don't like them. Um, she actually had a torticollis in her neck, so she was really oh. stiff on one side of her body. And so when I would position her in the way that you aggravating. would to latch it, that breast, it was aggravating the torticollis and some body work really sorted that out. And, and then I was able to bring her to that breast without her screaming. Yeah, me. maybe if it's been a tough so, delivery, yeah. it doesn't have to be, but yeah. it's been a traumatic delivery, maybe a long pushing, mm-hmm. maybe the baby got a little stuck coming out yeah. and took some maneuvering, their neck may hurt, it may right. be uncomfortable. So I think it's a cue to assess, could there be a reason that body work yeah. would be appropriate for that baby if you're noticing a preference and the other things have been addressed like the positioning. And for listeners, what do you mean when you say body work? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. So that could be any number of therapies. Uh, chiropractic care is the most common. Um, with my first child, the pediatrician I was seeing also specialized in osteopathic manipulative therapy. Mm. Uh, don't ask me to explain that, but it's <laughs> <laughs> but it was a it was a type of body work where she was able to release the tension in her body by applying pressure at certain points. And uh, so we had that at, a, at one of our well baby visits and it made a huge difference. You can also have a craniosacral therapy done, uh, which is a way of releasing the tension in the head and neck. There's a, a lot of muscles that go into breastfeeding a baby that in the baby's face, right? It's not mm. just the latch, it's also all of the muscles in the face and the cheek and the neck and, and so addressing the tension there. And you then know, you can also have speech therapy done for a newborn. Uh, for which swallowing is, and- Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we'll, pregnant moms will go to the chiropractor twice a week in those mm-hmm. last few uh, months of pregnancy, and then this child has a bit of a rough trip out. It's a tight fit. And to think that they don't need anything mm-hmm. is, is kind of interesting, but it's it's still pretty new to suggest to a mom, take your newborn to a chiropractor. Oh, I didn't know chiropractors saw mm-hmm. babies, but they I, I mean, do. I couldn't begin for a moment to speak for chiropractors who treat babies, but I think probably a lot of listeners are thinking, I've been to a chiropractor. I know what they did. Mm-hmm. I don't want that done to my baby. That's not what they do. No. Uh, yeah. Often the simplest things they do is just lay the baby in a in an unusual position and let the baby's weight in that position mm-hmm. you know, affect the thing that needs to be done. But it's very gentle and not... Not frightening and not scary mm-hmm. and uh, no reason to fear that at all. We mm-hmm. should probably do an episode with some local chiropractors that work on mm-hmm. that work on babies. So that's what you meant by Absolutely. by body work. By body work, mm-hmm. it can really uh, make or break a breastfeeding journey. I don't think we w- I would have latched her at the breast if it hadn't been for that pediatrician that really helped us out. And it doesn't have to be a NICU baby, or it doesn't have no. to be a traumatic mm-hmm. birth. It could mm-hmm. be any child. My third birth was my most gentle, but she had a tongue and lip tie, and the the revision, while it created the opportunity for a better latch, did not lead to a better latch, mm-hmm. and it took several of those therapies to get a comfortable latch that wasn't leading to cracked nipples. Yeah, I wasn't planning on it, but we probably should spend just a minute or two on the whole tongue and lip tie phenomenon. Mm-hmm. If we needed to toss in some controversy to our discussion, that probably will suffice. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, express yourselves on tongue and lip tie. What do you What do you think? What do you tell people? 
I would say it's a very important thing for the professionals to check for. Uh, and then you need to look at the whole picture of what's going on. So you mm-hmm. can find, so a, a lip tie is when there's a membrane essentially underneath the tongue that is affecting the movement of the baby's tongue uh, and also not allowing the baby to open their mouth properly. So, of course, you could think that that would affect breastfeeding, but it doesn't always. So you want to say, okay, uh, there is a tongue tie, there isn't a tongue tie, it's severe, it's not severe, and then look at what else is going on. How is the mom in pain? Is the baby latching well? Is the baby moving milk? So trying to decide which baby needs some intervention, um, which can be done by one of us or by a laser or whatever. But Mm -hmm. does this child need an intervention by looking at the whole picture? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, to call it out for what it is, many, many of our colleagues in pediatrics think that tongue tie, lip tie doesn't exist. And whenever I hear them say that, I think about you know, my own analogy, I say to somebody, I have a migraine, and they, they say, no, you don't, it doesn't exist. And I think, well, you're not inside my head, it definitely exists. And I think all of us have seen so many times where there is a tongue tie, it's easily treated, and the mom puts the baby to breast, and her mm-hmm. face says, mm-hmm. whatever you just did radically changed mm-hmm. the just latch. Immediately. Yeah, yeah, they can feel it immediately. Mm-hmm. So I can't speak for our colleagues who disagree with us there, but I think any providers that have had the chance to see that immediate effect. Uh, but you experienced mm-hmm. it with I one did. of your three kids. With one of my three. Yeah, my se- well, my second child, he nursed like Pooh Bear out of a honey pie. He was just <laughs> fine, no problems. Uh, but then my third, you know, I was thinking, okay, with third baby, like I know how to breastfeed. Yeah. And she was the first one that cracked a- my nipples to uh. the point of bleeding. I was very sad about that. Uh, she did have a tongue tie that we revised. And the idea but, there is for listeners, if the tongue's not moving properly, mm-hmm. they may suck in a dysfunctional way. She was sucking way. in a very dysfunctional way. Yeah. Uh, and so we had the tongue tie released and and I don't it, it created an opportunity, right? So it frees mm. it frees the tongue to move in the proper way, but then uh, we we did end up doing some speech therapy to do basically suck training to teach her yeah. how to use the tongue in the in the proper way. Sure. So and the, along with some chiropractic care and creative mm. sacral, but it was really the speech therapy that got us to the point where we were having a comfortable latch. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I would say, and and I know some disagree, is that time is of the essence. Mm-hmm. So before we have damaged the nipple, before we have taught reinforced the baby's poor sucking motion Mm -hmm. to try and get the revision done if it's indicated Mm -hmm. as quickly as possible which Mm -hmm. which is a real problem um in our in our community if it's not somebody's not willing to do it in the hospital or whatever then it goes longer and longer and there's more more recovery from it to to, to go we should probably say in summary if there's a question about a latch problem Mm -hmm. get your infant to somebody that understands the physiology Mm -hmm. of tongue tie lip tie that mm-hmm. can intervene and intervene quickly. Right, and talk to you about the different options and and the specifics of your situation. Yeah. Uh, so I think you had mentioned it earlier, what's right for one baby is not right for all babies, and yeah. we really have to look at the individual situation to know. Well, let's change directions and talk about a topic of great anxiety, I know, especially for new moms, supply. <laughs> and the question is, how do I know my baby's getting enough milk? I can't see it. It's invisible. Mm-hmm. It goes from breast to mouth without me ever getting to measure it. 
And then, as you pointed out, Nikki, earlier, what you measure may not be correct because letdown and pumping is not the same thing. So how do you advise women? How does she know if her baby's getting enough milk? Baby's happy. Baby's Mm -hmm. got poops, pees, baby sleeps well, and baby seems content at the breast or content to sleep after they're done nursing. In good weight gain. In good weight gain, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I would say- Weight gain, you were talking about. Let's quantitate that a little bit to help Mm -hmm. people. Sure. So naturally, babies lose weight after they're born. Speak to what happens and when it happens. So um, within the first, really within the first four to six days is when that trough is going to happen of weight loss. And really, as long as it's within, it depends on who you ask in the situation, 10 to 12% of the baby's original birth weight. um, Will drop. Yeah. Naturally. That's normal and okay as their digestion completely does a 180 from the umbilical cord supply to the milk supply. Um, And also just the caloric demand of digestion, of respiration, of all the things that babies have to do now. So their weight drops down, and that's natural. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean they're not getting enough because sure. they lose weight. Yep. So how do I know that that uh, she's getting enough? You said weight gain. Yeah. So by four to six days, we should see that number begin to climb. Well, at four to six days, you're going to see the trough. The and bottom. so at eight to 11 days, I want to see it coming back up. Mm-hmm. And by two weeks, give or take, we're going to be back to birth weight. Back to birth weight by two. Um, mm-hmm. but it, of and this would be for a full-term healthy baby. It might yep. look differently yeah. if you have a baby that's premature. Yep. Or spend some time in the NICU, mm-hmm, sure. or, mm-hmm. or those and a lot of um, a lot of pediatricians want to see the baby between one and two weeks, so they'll catch that um, that rise starting to come back mm-hmm. and trying to get the baby back to birth weight around um, two weeks. But but what I was going to say a second ago is um, back to the presumption of goodness, right? The mm-hmm. expectation that you're made by God to do this, that mm-hmm. you and your baby can do this together. And let's presume that all is well until a problem is is shown or proven, not, not the other way around, mm-hmm. uh, which is sort of the medical approach to perhaps too many things, yeah. to say, uh, I should expect that this will go well. Well, let's let's take a different tact and say you're not meeting those milestones, and maybe weight gain is not happening like it should, um, and it's determined maybe there is a supply issue, and you're hoping to avoid supplementing. But so, what are some tips and tricks for supply issues? What are your favorite things to advise people? Give your body grace. So that's that's my advice for like all midwifery is that your body is wise and knows what it's doing. Um, so. For people who, this is a major life change for you. Your body's gone through a major event. Um, let that cortisol come down and just trust that your body will do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me specifically, we had a major move across the country. I was shifting roles. Um, we had a new baby. We bought a house for the first time. All of these things. So, a little right, bit of stress. Yeah, my cortisol <laughs> through the roof. So... Just give your body some grace and some time. And after all those things kind of shifted into place, my milk supply was great. Mm. So look at what what else is going on. Yeah, I was going to say, try to understand the reason why. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of reasons why the milk supply might be low, and, the, and then the solution should match the, the why in the specific situation that's going on. And that's where mm-hmm. you're going to work with your, your midwife, your lactation consultant. Your family. Your family, mm-hmm. your pediatrician, to understand better the why. 
and then therefore the solution. So there's certainly herbs and things like that, fenugreek, um, mm-hmm. that that can supplement. But one of the things I think is pretty overlooked is postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So that plays a big role in the mom's interest and willingness to put the baby to breast. So then she comes in and says, my supply is low. And then you have to do a little digging to try and say why, what's going on. And and sometimes it's the emotional stuff or, mm-hmm. or ex- extreme exhaustion or lack mm-hmm. of support and, and food and drink and sleep. You say nutrition say and hydration similar, are huge. <laughs> nutrition, we don't take care of ourselves because we're so worried about taking care of our baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we forget we need to eat too. We need to drink plenty of water because to form that milk, your body needs the same things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Water so, goes a long way in a milk yeah. supply. I mean, I can tell on a day-to-day basis if I'm not drinking enough water, I'm Absolutely. not. Yeah. I could always tell when I pumped enough, if I didn't drink pumping. enough water, but just but did not have enough. So maybe a meal train from friends, mm-hmm. uh, some extra sleep, some extra water. A big the, water bottle best, you carry with you. The best you. thing your husband or partner or support person can do is fill your water cup. Because <laughs> once that baby starts crying, the last thing you're thinking about is your water. You sit down, <laughs> yeah. you finally get the baby latched, and now you're like, where's the water? Uh. Any, any amount of breast breast milk that you give your baby is a liquid blessing. So mm-hmm. if you have to give the baby a little bit of formula or donor milk or what have you so that you can get a nap and boost your supply, that's worth it in the long run. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. One Same to two then. tablespoons of breast milk, that's it. And they're getting mm-hmm. an incredible amount of immune benefits. Mm-hmm. Just a couple tablespoons. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So like I said, my kid last got last got formula when he was 12 weeks old. Mm-hmm. And now he's exclusive. Well, he eats solids now. But then my supply boomed. And it was because in in the back of my mind, despite all the challenges, it was, this is a blessing to my baby. I'm going to keep at it. Even if I have to supplement with formula, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Worth it in the long run. Mm-hmm. Nikki touched on the visitor problem mm-hmm. uh, a little bit ago. And I try and say to people, you should not have visitors. You should have workers. Yeah. So mm-hmm. somebody who's coming over, it's not their job to hold the baby. It's their job to make the meal, do the laundry, and sweep the floor. And that's how you be present to a new mom and new dad, mm-hmm. is to do those things that, that are falling apart in the house that might be increasing her stress. Uh, uh, so take those jobs away that you can do so easily and allow her the time to sit and breastfeed. Mm, how, how does that play as a mom and a mother-in-law? As a grandma now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I do how, a lot of sweeping. Yeah. 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 Was no. that easy for you or was that difficult for you to like put that advice into practice? Actually, I, I think it was easier than I thought it was going to be mm-hmm. um, because you could see the joy and the beauty of watching these young women with their new babies and and trying to think, mm-hmm. where is my perfect role here? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, as a, as a, as a me, as a Marianne, um, mm-hmm. you know, my... I want to just step in and say I can fix this or I can do this, but um, being there. And then we had some significant postpartum depression um, issues and mm-hmm. just being present and and taking on all of those jobs that she shouldn't be having to do mm-hmm. and take that weight off of that couple. I think it made a, a good impact. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Nikki, you mentioned the, the H word husband a couple of times, mm-hmm. but but it's easy to think there's really not a role for men in breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. But in reality, that's not true. 
because mm-hmm. of all these things that we're talking about. Yeah. But um, you need them to be there to help get yeah. you things for you to yeah. be there. Truly, if you're distressed and you're trying to yeah. nurse baby, sometimes you just need your husband to hold a baby mm. so you can decompress for a moment. With and, my third, I just wanted him to hold my hand. Like while I was sitting yeah. there crying on the couch in pain, it's like, I just want you to sit here and just be with me right? and to feel mm. your presence and what a difference that made. And for him to know and to value breastfeeding with me to know that that was important for me for my baby and to be supportive of that i mean i don't think i could have done it without his support and encouragement and with my first he was a very very difficult baby to get nursing and so i would be struggling and so upset and my husband would he'd think of things i hadn't thought of to the point of i didn't even think of trying the football hold this time why didn't Mm -hmm. i think of that i don't know but he was that yeah. that mind I didn't have. They can be so. such a calming, loving presence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to what Aaron said, that brings our cortisol down and that mm-hmm. supports yeah. that beautiful mm-hmm. breastfeeding relationship. And you know, we're designed to kill the bear. Yeah. So whatever the threat is, maybe that's nosy friends and coworkers and relatives oh, that, sure. are, that are bringing your cortisol level up, or maybe it's getting the temperature right, or maybe mm-hmm. it's bringing water or maybe a little dark beer, whatever, <laughs> whatever's necessary. But there is definitely a role. It's easy mm-hmm. to think that there isn't. But mm-hmm. listening to you all, I think that really affirms that yeah. there's a great role for for husbands to play there. That's why they go to breastfeeding class. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. <laughs> well, let's change directions and go to what might be a bit of a white elephant in the room for especially new moms. And that is simply stated, nudity and modesty. Mm. So um, breastfeeding in public, you've gotten through maybe those first weeks at home. Mm-hmm. At some point, you have to leave the house. You can't stay there forever. And so if you leave the house with a baby, you've got to feed them. You know, speak to your journey and what you went through uh, and, and how how you managed that set of issues. Um, Desensitization. <laughs> you go to like a smaller, not as busy place and you try it there and then you kind of wean yourself into it. Maybe not the mall. Maybe not the mall. <laughs> Maybe a place that's more open to that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I got to the point where I didn't care. I would just walk around the store carrying my baby because at that point, it, everybody's seen them because I'm breastfeeding my baby. and. I don't really care. Yeah. And I just, I weaned up into that. I don't really care because this is for me and this is for my child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you, some... you got desensitized, yeah. that's what you meant by desensitization. Yeah. It stopped mm-hmm. bothering you after a while. Exactly. Yeah. And certainly uh, society has improved. I mean, I breastfed Absolutely. in a generation where women actually got uh, arrested for breastfeeding in their cars in the Target parking lot. Uh, and, wow. and that was only 25 years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing to think? But I think society is doing much better. Mm-hmm. And, and I applaud uh, places like Lutheran that put in the baby nursing pod at the airport or something. But we shouldn't have to hide yeah. to mm-hmm. breastfeed. This is something you do multiple times a day. It, it, women shouldn't have to run away mm-hmm. uh, to to breastfeed. It's beautiful, mm-hmm. and your bodies are made for this. Well, there's some mm-hmm. goofy societal problems. I mean, we all we can think of them. I mean, you can be censored on Facebook for breastfeeding in a picture, and yet there's plenty of things on Facebook that should be censored that are not. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do have some screwed up sort of societal. Mm-hmm. 
uh, norms. But but I've seen the three of you who are currently breastfeeding breastfeed, and I can honestly say I've never seen any parts of your body that you didn't want seen. Mm-hmm. But there's some women that just seem to be inherently good at that. Mm-hmm. You three are particularly good at that. How how do, how would you teach that skill to someone? I'm not good at it. Rachel taught me. <laughs> <laughs> it's learned. Mm-hmm. It's learned. learned. You learned. I just need this part out and get the baby there. And it's just kind of a, it's like a magic trick. Uh, (laughs) It is. It is. is. So I think it, it in part, you have to do what you're comfortable with. Mm. And so when you're first learning that latch, privacy is helpful. Some babies are easily overstimulated. And then the nursing pod at the airport is really helpful because it's a quiet private place where maybe they nurse better. Yeah. you know, I think with my third, um, I've always been a very out and about breastfeeder. Um, you know, I, I like what I said earlier, we we learn by watching other women do, and I feel very comfortable with it. And so I purposely breastfeed in the open, so other young women, especially if there's young women around, mm. I I am maybe even a little more out and about about it because yeah. they need to see it. Yeah. With Irene, we were struggling, and so I preferred privacy for the first month or two until mm. we got comfortable with the latch. And then as we got comfortable with the latch, I became more comfortable, mm. you know, breastfeeding out and about. Yeah. But I, I think, think that's, that's really, you're, I like that point of you're sort of, you're evangelizing breastfeeding yeah. just yeah. by doing it, mm-hmm. especially if there's young girls who culturally used to see women breastfeed right. all the time. Today, they don't see that right. all the time. And they need to see it. I How was the you... first to breastfeed in my family, um, mm, in my wow. immediate family. And so I think initially there might have been some discomfort or mm. surprise. But by the time my sister was breastfeeding, it was normal. Wow. And what a difference that made. Practically think, speaking, um, how do clothing. you... So clothing is a, a big yeah. one that has certainly changed um, over the last 30 years or so. Um, it's hard to know what women did a long time ago. I think they were much more private about it. Uh, mm-hmm. But now you've got the nursing tops and the and the bras and the and the whatever. But uh, more and more, I just see moms with uh, tank tops on, and mm-hmm. and they just they, nothing nursing about the tank top. They, they just, just chose something that works. They just <laughs> chose something. So trying to find what works for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about uh, you know the breastfeeding covers? How do you how do you how did you think through that yourselves, and how do you advise young women on that? I think they became more important and necessary when my kids got older and got distracted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was the hard part. You got that baby trying to look one way when they're trying to nurse, but earlier on, it's so much hassle. I don't think you should really start using a cover or anything like that until you can confidently latch that baby without having to look at every mm-hmm. last thing. And yeah. the only time I use a cover now is to pump. Yeah. To put my pump on. Oh, sure. It's yeah. less cute putting a pump on than latching your baby <laughs> to the breast. Baby. So I always used a cover um, for various reasons. Number one being I have a really heavy letdown. So it will like spray the people around me. Um, ask your daughter. She got sprayed at Ash Wednesday Mass. Um, she she unknowingly sat next to my family and just, you know, Fulton moved. She was in the splash and, zone. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Um, so I've always used a cover for that reason and I feel like it helps with the distracted nursing, but it also gets really hot. Yes. So, um, and so for your baby's health, right? We don't Mm. want babies to get overheated because that increases their risk of suffocation and SIDS and all all of those things. Um, and if they're sick too, you have to be careful of that. 
Um, so I think just be really connected and mindful of your mm. baby if you do choose to use a cover for whatever reason you choose. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be as simple as you prefer it. You mm-hmm. feel more comfortable True. breastfeeding in public, so you use a cover, and that decreases your stress levels and improves the latch. Right. There, there you go. Story. There you go. Yeah. I was um, nursing my son. We were, he was about three months old, and we went on vacation to a, an island, and there was a heat wave, and it was really hot. And I had always nursed with a cover. Mm-hmm. And about day two, he and I are both dying of heat stroke underneath mm-hmm. this cover. Well, that was the end of that. So yeah. if you didn't want to see it, you need to go somewhere else. Yeah, it's <laughs> you always know those things the, that like trigger you. Like, you know what? I'm one done. of the only other times I've used a cover was when I was in a restaurant sitting directly across from a priest. And I thought, gosh, gosh, <laughs> that feels a little uncomfortable to me. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. So, um, you know, moving back to another problem topic that I think there's a fair amount of urban legend on, and and a couple of you mentioned pain and cracking of the skin on the nipples and things like that. What are some good remedies and and tools for women that are experiencing that? Open to air and put Mm -hmm. the breast milk on it. Mm-hmm. Express yeah. some breast milk and so put that's, that on. That's not just an urban legend or an old wives' tale. No. That's actually correct. No. That absolutely works, Tons and it's better. I like it better than like the lanolin or those thick mm-hmm. creams because all that does is they put it on and it occludes everything. Yeah. And so then you've got like this occluded, uncomfortable spot that really should be left open to air to dry out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a place for lanolin, but it's not every single time you nurse and. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's so many different nipple creams out there now right. that are that I like a lot better than lanolin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of options you could play around with that. Uh, with Irene, I never thought to ice my nipple until Amy said, you know, you can ice your nipple before you latch <laughs> and numb it up. And wow, that was awesome. Well, they yeah. have those like so I, metal I, I, things. I iced it and numbed it oh, before. Yeah. yeah, they had those so, little silk, those, uh, what are they? Silver. The silverettes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I used those for a short amount of time just when it was like, you know, the oh my gosh, my nipples are going to fall off. Um, And I felt like they helped. um, But what helped me the most was this um, salve that a midwife friend made for me. And it was just, I can't remember what oil carrier she used, but, um, and then a few herbs, you know, some calendula, Mm -hmm. some lavender. Um, Go back to the earth, go back to what's natural. Has anybody ever used all-purpose nipple cream with the ibuprofen in it? I've prescribed it. I haven't. I prescribed it. I know a lot of our patients use it. They get it at Fort Wayne Custom Uh RX. It's very Mm -hmm. commonly used. Mm -hmm. I think it's very helpful for people who are struggling with pain because Mm -hmm. of the ibuprofen that's in Mm -hmm. it. It's got some anti-yeast properties. I was going to say, it also has anti-yeast, which is helpful Mm -hmm. for um, when you get yeasty nipples. And And there is a time and a place for a nipple shield to allow for healing healing of the nipple and to improve the integrity of the skin. But all that goes to say that if you're having issues, talk to your provider, talk to your lactation, and get some resources like we can send in yeah. that cream that you can't get over the counter necessarily yeah. right but or, it should be tailored to you and what you right. need yeah. and what your baby needs it, there's not a right. one size fits all don't try to superhero and power through it ask for help <laughs> yes yeah. well as we bring this i would argue absolutely wonderful discussion to a close what are some final thoughts for for moms thinking about breastfeeding or breastfeeding having difficulties or uh, or anybody in those in those categories what are some final thoughts you know, we touched on this, but I would say that 
this is a team effort mm -hmm. that you and your husband do this beautiful thing together that he has his role you have your role but you're a new family of three and and this is part of the learning to be that new family a, an incredibly important integral part but it's a part of it and the three of you should work on it together and he should never feel left out or unimportant in this role mm -hmm. um i think the biggest things would be Give yourself grace, be patient. Um, I mean, it's it's a beautiful natural process. You just can't expect it to have realistic expectations. I guess that'd be the other part. Yeah, I would say there, so there's a lot of gray area in between strictly formula feeding and exclusively breastfeeding. Wow. And each journey is going to be unique uh, to, to you and your situation and to your baby. And don't be afraid to walk through the gray. Mm -hmm. There's so much room in between those two ends of the spectrum. Leave, leave the judgment behind. Yeah, leave the door open, find what works for you and for your baby and uh, and tailor it to you. Yeah. Aaron, it's your own journey. Final thoughts, Erin? Yeah, I think um, I echo the team effort. You know, it's gonna be you, your husband, your support system. For me, it was my mom and my mother-in-law just cheered me on all the time. Um, and then remember that your body is wise, your baby is wise, God is wise. Mm -hmm. We we make milk we latch the way that we should um so trust yourself mm -hmm. trust your instincts mm -hmm. well ladies i think we'll have to leave it there it's been a terrific discussion and thank you for sharing with our listeners your combined knowledge listeners i hope you've enjoyed this discussion uh, as much as we've enjoyed uh, participating in it. You can find out a lot more about breastfeeding and a lot more about the services that these certified nurse midwives have to offer. Check out our website at fertilityandmidwifery.com or the Holy Family Birth Center's website, fortwaynebirthcenter.com. If you have questions you'd like to ask us, you can reach us at fertilityandmidwifery.com. You can call our office to arrange either an in-person or a virtual appointment with one of the nurse midwives to talk about breastfeeding or anything else related to women's health. That's 260-222-7401. I want to thank you for joining us on All Things Women's Health. I hope you'll like and subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about us, so hopefully they'll listen at some point as well. I'll be back soon with another episode uh, of All Things Women's Health and Always Catholic. Thanks again for listening. I'm Dr. Chris Stroud. Oh, 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 oh,